Welcome to Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, thanks for tuning in today. Yesterday, President Donald Trump conducted a press conference with Russian President Vladimir Putin, and it can best be described as bizarre. And at worst, the word that comes to mind might be treason. That's not just me saying that. That's according to ex-CIA Director John Brennan, who was aghast, along with much of America's political structure, as the sitting president of the United States played right into Russian interests. Trump refused to blame Russia for anything. Indeed, he blamed American presidents and intelligence for everything that Putin and the Kremlin should be held to account for. Here's President Trump answering the first question from reporters. Mr. President, you tweeted this morning that it's U.S. foolishness, stupidity, and the Mueller probe that is responsible for the decline in U.S. relations with Russia. Do you hold Russia at all accountable for anything in particular? And if so, what would you, what would you consider them that they are responsible for? Yes, I do. I hold uh, both countries responsible. I think that the United States has been foolish. I think we've all been foolish. We should have had this dialogue a long time ago. A long time, frankly, before I got to office. And I think we're all uh, to blame. Trump also said relations between Russia and America have never been worse. Ignoring history or simply not knowing it. And then promptly followed with an assertion that whatever tension existed, he had solved it all with the single closed door meeting he had with Putin. Bizarre, maybe treasonous. But given the way this Republican Congress has handled Trump, Do we have any expectation that they will try to hold him accountable for the things that he said about Vladimir Putin and Russia? And let's think about the long-term consequences. They could be stiff and difficult to overcome if Russia continues its so far successful campaign to sow division between the United States and other Western allied democracies, or if the Russians continue to meddle in our elections, as every one of our intelligence agencies now says it did in 2016. That's where we want to begin the conversation today with Russia and Trump and Putin, and a republic that seems more and more shaken by not only its greatest adversary of the last half century, but by a president who just doesn't see things that way. Of course, we want to hear from you. What did you take away from the president's words yesterday? What did you take away from just even the body language that was obvious during this press conference? Uh, Him standing next to Vladimir Putin talking. He looked very different than he does in other settings. As always, the number on the phones is 313-577-1019. What do you think is going on with Donald Trump and Vladimir Putin uh, between Donald Trump and Russia? What do you think Congress ought to do with it? You can also go to the WDET Facebook page, put comments there, or you can go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today, and we will work you into the conversation. And joining us now to talk about what we saw yesterday is Libby Casey. She is an on-air reporter and anchor covering politics and accountability for The Washington Post. Libby, welcome to Detroit Today. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah. So let's talk about the reaction in Washington to this press conference yesterday. We did hear from several folks on the Hill about it. Both Democrats and Republicans seem pretty concerned about what they saw. Yeah, it was like jaws on the floor. I mean, it was so astounding. 
uh, as the press conference veered into this territory where President Trump was siding with Vladimir Putin, the leader of Russia, the head of the country that's been accused of meddling in the 2016 elections by all the intelligence agencies here in Washington, intelligence agencies that essentially work for President Trump and the government and all of us. Um, it, it was it was an astounding moment that I think will go down in history. And then the question was, how will legislators respond to it? You know, everyone from you know the the top Republicans in Congress mm-hmm. to you know <laughs> on down the line. And there was a real pushback from Republicans uh, in a, in a couple different ways. We saw people like House Speaker Paul Ryan issuing a statement saying, you know, we do believe that Russia uh, interfered with the 2016 election. Mm-hmm. We even saw Dan Coats, who's President Trump's you know, director of intelligence. He put out a statement saying, we've been clear in our assessments of Russia meddling in the 2016 election. And, and it went from there. Simple, not um, not bashing President Trump, but asserting what the intelligence community has said they have absolute proof of. Yeah. Um, so there was some pushback. But the question, Stephen, is where does it go from here? President Trump will meet with Republican lawmakers this afternoon. Mm-hmm. Do they have anything mm-hmm. other than harsh words on Twitter? Yeah. Uh, some people have said this may be a breaking point for some Republicans, as I pointed out. Uh, John Brennan says this is treasonous. Richard Painter, who uh, was an ethics lawyer in the Bush White House, the most uh, recent Bush White House, um, uh, said the same thing on Twitter. Is this the turning point? Is this just uh, too far for Republicans to keep going along with a president who doesn't seem to to play from the same playbook that they do. It will be up to them. You know, I was watching a lot of Republicans last night. I used to live in Alaska, and the two Republican Alaska senators were coming out and firmly stating mm-hmm. they did not, you know, agree with President Trump's assessment. And, and frankly, the, their language was, was pretty tough. They, they were clearly appalled at what they heard. But will they take any action? And here are a couple things that they could do. They could come out and support the Mueller investigation, that special counsel's investigation. Mm-hmm. They could pass resolutions of censure. <laughs> They could hold legitimate hearings because uh, a lot of the House hearings have been pretty farcical, right? It's it's devolved into politics. So they could try to come at it again and take another bite of the apple in a way that felt more objective and and less about, you know, the winners and losers, uh, but more about how do we prevent a, a country like Russia interfering in the 2018 election or the 2020 election, and how do we deal with what happened and do cleanup mm-hmm. from 2016? And yeah. and I just don't know if there is the political will there. You know, you did see Fox News last night, anchors on Fox News who are legitimate um, news people sure. and guests who are who are kind of more traditional Republicans also coming out and saying, "Wow, I'm I'm pretty shocked at what I saw, and I don't agree with what the president said." But you still saw some of these um, news person. Personalities. I don't even know if I should use the word news. These, mm-hmm. you know, personalities who conduct interviews and and are known figures of Fox News supporting President Trump, and yeah. and you know, and and that makes a difference because if people are consuming that news, they're getting two different messages. Yeah, uh, I'm curious in Washington what people make of this relationship between Donald Trump and Vladimir. Putin. I mean, as I said in the open, I think anyone who watched that press conference last uh, yesterday saw a very different Donald Trump than we're used to seeing. Uh, there is something about 
uh, Putin and Russia and just his presence there with him that seems to mm-hmm. alter the way he reacts. Uh, he is a different guy uh, when, when he's in that setting. What do people in Washington make of that difference? Do they do they ascribe it to anything? Is there, I mean, there, there have been some stories about this idea that he's maybe a Russian asset. I think that may be a little far-fetched, but, but what is it that people believe motivates this relationship? You see a lot of op-ed pieces today asking why President Trump would take this deferential tone mm-hmm. and essentially be like the beta male to the alpha male mm-hmm. of Vladimir Putin. And people are scratching their heads and they're coming to the conclusion that either President Trump is so concerned with his own ego and so insistent that he won the 2016 election without any help um, and that Hillary Clinton was like this bad actor and that she deserves the blame and he deserves the credit. And he's so wounded about that still that he can't see past that. Or there there may be something else at play. Why why would you be so deferential to Vladimir Putin? It's mm-hmm. it's really a question mark, and I think that that's where the reporting has to come in and keep asking questions. And yesterday, I I really was impressed by the reporters who were asking these very direct and pointed questions. You know, it it doesn't mean that. Putin and Trump had to answer the questions, sure. but but they were, it was very obvious they were not answering questions, or it was obvious that, you know, when a reporter says, President Trump, who do you believe? And President Trump answers, well, you know, Vladimir Putin gave me, he, he was an extremely strong and powerful in his denial. Mm-hmm. And he basically said, like, I have no reason to believe the Russians interfered. And there are a lot of reasons to believe the Russians interfered. One, his own intelligence agencies are telling him all they interfered. All of them say that. Two, right. all of them across yeah. the board. Two, the Russians gain by meddling in the U.S. election. Um, they gain on a number of fronts. They, yeah. they gain by inflicting a little bit of chaos, a little bit of uncertainty, doubt, sowing the seeds of, of distrust here in this country. So there are a lot of reasons to, to see why Russia would be motivated to do that. Yeah. I don't know, Stephen. I, you know, President Trump loves to be the top dog. He loves he to be the big character in the room. And that's one reason why some of these meetings in places like NATO have have been, you know, a little chafing for him because he's not the singular voice, right? He has to share the stage. In this moment, he really deferred to Vladimir Putin. So, so Putin really came across as as like the tough guy, the one in charge and, and the one calling the shots. Uh, this is Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson. Uh, I'm always glad that you're tuning in. My guest is Libby Casey. She's an on-air reporter and anchor who covers politics and accountability for The Washington Post. We are talking about yesterday's extraordinary press conference uh, between Donald Trump and Vladimir Putin, at which uh, the president of the United States said he believes Vladimir Putin more strongly than he believes U.S. intelligence agencies about what happened during the 2016 election. He also talked about this being the worst era ever for U.S.-Russia relations and blamed that on his predecessors. He said he has uh, started fixing that with a closed-door meeting he had with Putin uh, yesterday. Uh, If you want to join the conversation, what did you make of this press conference between Trump And Putin, do you agree with former CIA director John Brennan that Trump's comments were maybe treasonous, a very strong word that a lot of people are using today? Do you think the reaction has been overblown, maybe, and that this isn't as big a deal as people are making it? Or is it something in between? As always, the number on the phones is 313-577-1019. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page, put comments there. Or go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today will work you into 
the conversation. Zoe on Twitter says, I hope some followers defend the president during the show. We need to hear their logic as things seem almost surreal and making sense of things is imperative at this point. Karen on Facebook says, heartsick about what he's done. Also, where are all the Republicans beyond shameful and terrifying? Brian on Facebook says, what a craven and shameful display. After this, I don't think it can be seriously argued that Trump was merely the fortunate beneficiary of Putin's schemes. He is giving all the signals of complicity. Again, 313-577-1019 is the number on the phones. Let's go to Vladimir in Detroit. Vladimir, welcome to Detroit today. Hello, thank you. Uh-huh. Go ahead. Um, so what I necessarily want to comment, so uh, giving a little bit of context to my background, I'm a Ukrainian national who works both in Detroit um, and also in Ukraine, mm-hmm. and I work in a firm that's essentially a Ukrainian watchdog for Russian interference. And what we've discovered on multiple accounts is that this Russian interference is not so unique in the United States. It's very internationally minded, where it's done in multiple countries on various uh, spheres of influence. So um, what I wanted to share is valuably um, and kind of which has been done by various news organizations in this past week has been that like there are these types of, I guess, factories for social media a fabrication. And mm-hmm. so it's kind of uh, made on like a caste system where each kind of influence in social media is given a value. So, for instance, like Facebook and personalized messages in support of the Kremlin are valued the most, and mm-hmm. especially the English speakers. And I've been granted access into one of these undercover. But, and bloggers are valued on the lower system of the caste. So this kind of gives you a little yeah. bit of a perspective in terms of how institutionalized this is. Right, right. Vladimir, that's a really great perspective to add to the conversation. I'm glad you called. Um, right. Uh, Libby Casey, th- that seems to, to reflect the things that we keep hearing from U.S. intelligence. Uh, they keep talking about the concerted efforts that the Russians make, not just in the United States, but as Vladimir points out, around the globe, to disrupt in other countries and to sort of undermine and play these these uh, these uh, you know hidden roles, I guess, in in internal politics. Um, you know, mm-hmm. it's not just Donald Trump who seems not to believe that. I think congressional Republicans mm-hmm. uh, seem. To, to shy from it as well. Yeah, Democrats uh, commissioned a report that was released a couple of months ago that showed there was evidence that the Russians interfered in at least 19 European nations' elections. Mm-hmm. And there have been European leaders, the UK leader who said, enough, we see what you're doing, back off, Vladimir Putin, Russia writ large. Mm-hmm. Um, so what seems to happen here, though, is that we get mired in this question of you know Hillary Clinton and missing servers and all of these things that you know seem like they're really distractions mm-hmm. from the question of what happened with the Russians and and a foreign government interfering in our election and president trump yesterday did not seem to be able to divorce whether his team colluded or worked with the russians versus whether the russians did something right. so the investigation is still ongoing looking into collusion that's the Mueller investigation. It's looking into a, a couple of different facets of, of the 2016 election. But why can't Republicans put that to the side 
and still admit or focus on or allow for the conversation point that the intelligence agencies say Russia meddled. Right. And Trump didn't seem to be able to separate those two things yesterday. And Republicans don't seem to be able to do it either because it doesn't seem to be politically beneficial to them. Yeah. Now, the question is, will that change because President Trump was so blatant yesterday in his support of Putin over American intelligence agencies. And, you know, he said this fascinating thing. He said, you know, and you play this clip, Stephen, that both countries are responsible mm -hmm, mm -hmm. for the relationship. And for a lot of us, it reminded us of, of after the white supremacists were marching in Charlottesville last summer. And, you know, it was horrific. And a woman was killed and run over by a car. And, and President Trump had a moment to sort of comment on this and bring some national healing. And instead, he chose to say that both sides were responsible. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And those two moments, th these two moments may end up going down in, in, as, as, as real pivot points for the presidency, because it did change how some Americans viewed him, not all Americans, of course, but how some Americans viewed him. And when you say that both countries are responsible, you know, it's not like the U.S. is, is you know, is, is doesn't do anything wrong ever. Sure. But you have to look at Russia's recent track record invading Crimea. It's the fourth anniversary today mm -hmm. of remember that jet that was shot down. Yes. Um, that that was like this, you know, such a horrific thing. A Russian supplied missile shot down a commercial airliner over Ukraine. It killed almost 300 people. Yes. Russia never took responsibility for that. Um, Russia's accused of poisoning people in the UK over the last couple of months. Um, and then there's the question of what's happening in Syria. So there, the international community especially Europe, has a lot of grave concerns about how Russia has been behaving. And one disappointment for a lot of international watchers was that President Trump, by standing shoulder to shoulder with Putin yesterday, really normalized Putin, brought him back to the world stage in prominence, and gave him equal footing with the United States. Mm, yeah. Uh, let's go to Wayne in Windsor. Wayne, welcome to Detroit today. Thanks for taking my call. Sure, go ahead. I uh, thought I'd give you a, my perspective as a Canadian. And then my opinion of what Trump was thinking. Sure, go ahead. Uh, okay, Russia interfered with your election. I think most people understand they bought some anti-Hillary ads and uh, probably had someone hack that DNC mm -hmm. server. Mm -hmm. I think most of the anti-Hillary ads that they posted were nothing new that we hadn't seen in official campaign ads. And as far as the DNC server, I think most people realize that uh, the Democratic Party had their finger on the scale for Hillary all the way. You just have to look at the superdelegate issue for that. So anyways, they interfered with your election. I think most people who are objective would think that the U.S. has done the same type of thing in the past. I know the people of Iran probably didn't want to have the Shah as their leader, and they have pigs and other issues. So... I also think Pope Francis interfered with the election when he told 70 million cat American Catholics not to vote for Trump. Mm -hmm. But there comes a point when you have to move forward. Uh, I understand your intelligence community's opinion is uni uh, unified, but on the same hand, that's the same intelligence community that had no clue about 911 and was completely in the dark about how long it would take North Korea to get nuclear. So that brings us to the summit. Mm -hmm. And I'm assuming the purpose of the summit was to improve relations between the two countries. Sure. So Trump's in a position where he's got one of two options. He can do what he did, or he can publicly humiliate Putin in front of the world at that press conference. And I think it's 
foolish to think that the two of them in their one-on-one meeting did not anticipate this question. Hmm. So who knows what happened one-on-one. Maybe Trump said to him, look, so, and I'm going to take this bullet. Yeah. So, and, so Wayne, so Wayne, are you, are you confident that Donald Trump and his demeanor, how different he was in this press conference yesterday than, than he is with, say, European leaders, does that give you confidence that, that he's asserting the things that you think he should be asserting in that, in that meeting? Well, you know, you guys elected him, and I think <laughs> part of the reason that he was elected was mm-hmm. people wanted a different approach as opposed mm-hmm. to the same old political approach. Like, personally, like, yeah. I don't care how good my country's relationship is with the U.K. because they're not a threat to me. Right. Uh, I think Trump comes from the step over a quarter to pick up a dollar mindset and i'm just thinking that it's interesting it's possible that this was a a play for a long-term gain as opposed to the quick short-term gain wayne wayne i really i I have some thoughts about that go ahead yeah he's brought he's brought up a lot of points and and one way to handle you know that the reporters are going to ask a question at this press conference you know Vladimir Putin, did you interfere with the U.S. election? President Trump, do you believe him as he mm-hmm. denies it? Mm-hmm. That was so obvious, right? And President Trump could have easily said, I talked to, you know, President Putin. I said no interference. You know, he could have been like taking a tough guy moment and mm-hmm. said, you know, knock it off. Let's move forward. Let's have a clean relationship going forward. He chose not to. Instead, he actually, as, as Putin was asked a question, Trump jumped in and answered it for him. He was yes. like, he threw himself in front of the question and he defended Putin. Putin just had to just like stand there. And so Trump went out of his way to defend him in a way that just seemed remarkable and really unnecessary. Yeah. You know, I, I think this question of how do you view the UK leader? How do you view European leaders? How do we view the, you know, the Canadian prime minister? These are relationships that have been forged and, and tested over over decades. And, you know, the only time that, that NATO actually invoked, you know, this clause to support each other was after 9-11, mm-hmm, when mm-hmm. NATO gave their support to the United States. So these relationships are are, you know, a part of the fabric of how the international community has seen each other. I, I have to take issue with one thing. I don't recall that Pope Francis endorsed President Obama. There was fake news out there mm-hmm. for a while leading up to the campaign. Um, but I, I don't recall that. And if anyone remembers it differently, you can speak up. But um, I know Pope Francis supported various things that President Obama did, such sure. as working on climate change. But I don't think he was jumping into the election. Mm-hmm. And this idea of of taking advantage of the divisions that already exist in our society, that's right. That's what the Russians are accused of doing. Right. And not just trying to bash Hillary Clinton, but even, you know, fake supporting of Black Lives Matter and and, and doing all sorts of, you know, sort of weird things to try to hype up our already, you know, anxious political moment. But the indictments that came down on Friday were different. They accused 12 Russians of hacking into the DNC, also, you know, hacking into the campaign of Hillary Clinton and releasing that information. So the intelligence communities are saying it was not a 400 pound, you know, guy like President Trump claimed sitting in his basement somewhere, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. right? They're saying it was Russians who actually work for the Russian government who did this. Yeah. Okay, Libby Casey, on air reporter and anchor who covers politics and accountability for the Washington Post. It's always great. Have you join us here on Detroit Today? Thanks so much. 
All right, up next, we're going to continue our conversation about Russia with a local expert on Russia. Stay with us and stay with us on the phones. 313-577-1019 is the number. Also, remember, if you have to miss any of today's show, you don't have to miss out on the pod, on the program. You can just go to iTunes or wherever you download podcasts. Download and subscribe to Detroit Today. Take us with you. Listen when you are ready. We will be right back with more Detroit Today. People came to me, Dan Coates came to me and some others. They said they think it's Russia. Uh, I have uh, President Putin. Uh, He just said it's not Russia. I will say this. I don't see any reason why it would be. You're listening to Detroit Today on 101.9 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, thanks for tuning in. That, of course, was President Donald Trump talking yesterday about Uh, Vladimir Putin, the president of Russia, whom he met with in Helsinki to talk about U.S.-Russian relations. He emerged from that meeting and said, hey, everything's okay. I have fixed the relationship between the United States and Russia, which he described as being at its lowest point in history. He also talked about the fact that he does not believe the U.S. intelligence reports that say Russia was responsible for the meddling that took place in the election here in the United States in 2016. Uh, If you want to join the conversation, give us a call. What did you think of this extraordinary press conference yesterday? What did you think of the things that the president said? What do you think should be the reaction of Congress in this country to a sitting president saying such things about uh, the leader of a country that is still a U.S. enemy. As always, uh, the number on the phones is 313-577-1019. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page and put comments there. Or if you go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today, we'll work you into the conversation. And joining us now to talk more about this in a more global perspective is Aaron Reddish. He is a history professor at Wayne State University with a specialization in Soviet and Russian history. Aaron, always good to have you here on Detroit Today. Thanks for having me. Uh, Let's start with your reaction to what Donald Trump said yesterday. Uh, I have never seen a U.S. president behave that way uh, in deference to uh, a a Russian leader. You are much more studied on this subject than I am. I'm really curious how you saw that. Yeah, I haven't either. Um, It started off uh, as kind of this hearkening back to late Cold War summits where you know, they talked about uh, arms control, about finding uh, places of mutual agreement, you know, even Star Wars reared its head again. Mm-hmm. And then at the press conference, it just turned bizarre. Mm-hmm. And it was bizarre and bizarrely unsurprising uh, because um, not only was Trump uh, kind of showed deference to Putin, but, um, you know, there was this denial of um, what his intelligence agents were telling him about uh, about what was going on in Russia, mm-hmm. um, as well as kind of the continuous praising of, of Putin. That also, I mean, all of that was, was um, beyond the norm. Uh, I can't think of another time when that 
happened, even with kind of these close relations uh, between Clinton and Yeltsin and the first time that Bush and uh, Putin met. Mm-hmm. Um, there's also a lot of what wasn't said. So uh, Putin had times where he actually attacked the United States or criticized the United States on sanctions on Ukraine, on Iran, uh, on Syria, and Trump did not respond with, mm-hmm. with any criticism. Um, and that was itself a surprise. He didn't talk about Crimea. He didn't talk about the poisoning in, in the UK. Uh, he didn't, again, kind of push him on the electoral interference. So there are several places where the United States actually could have asserted mm-hmm. its policies and just didn't. Yeah. So it was bizarre. You know, I'm, I'm curious, uh, given what you know about Vladimir Putin and his background and experience, uh, I, I'm really curious what you make of the dynamic between these two men, which which anyone who watched that press conference yesterday, I think, who's watched Donald Trump, really saw a different Donald Trump than we are used to seeing. I mean, he is never uh, one to, to give over dominance of any interaction to anybody. Uh, he won't do it with our allies. He's showed that just recently in, in, in Europe. Given that uh, Putin is essentially a spy. I mean, he has spent most of his life, uh, uh, you know, uh, working with Soviet uh, intelligence. Do you believe this 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 emerging narrative that somehow there is uh, a a spy asset, perhaps relationship that exists between the, the the Russians and 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 our president? Is that is that an absurdity? Um, I don't think that Trump is in any way kind of this Manchurian candidate. Right. Uh, but uh, and that was um, kind of alluded to when uh, someone asked about uh, the dossier and, and Putin actually uh, highlighted his background as uh, working in intelligence. Mm-hmm. Um, what I saw out of this was Putin was much more uh, deliberate, calculating, and he showed his um his experience as a diplomat over Trump. Mm-hmm. Um, that is that Putin, when Putin, Putin knows what to do in these types of situations to get the best of a summit. Um, he knows that the best way to get to Donald Trump is to flatter uh, Trump. Sure. And he did and he didn't. That is, he was very kind of coy. He, uh, he, safeguarded Trump. He answered the questions. He said there was no interference. Uh, and yet he also didn't go out of his way to praise Trump personally. So right. there there was that. Um, but there's no reason for the Russian government to have compromise, to have these compromising materials on him, this dossier, um, when they already the way to get to Trump is through praising, and they already have that. Yeah. Um, so, so yeah, I mean, Putin is, was also, um, yeah, he just clearly showed his, his expertise and experience yeah. o- over, uh, I mean, I saw him kind of running circles around Trump. Around yesterday. Trump, yeah. Uh, again, 313-577-1019 is always the number. On the phones, you can also go to the WDET Facebook page, put some comments there, and we'll work them into the conversation, or uh, hashtag us on Twitter, and we'll do the same. Let's go to Nancy in Oxford. Nancy, welcome to Detroit today. Hi, thank you. Hey. I uh, just wanted to comment that I, I think that it's interesting 
that the Republican Party seems to be so complicit in uh, Trump's activities in, in support of the Russian Federation. I think that it's very interesting that the Russian national who was arrested uh, yesterday, I believe, mm-hmm. uh, part of her mission, if you will, uh, seems to be to influence, in particular, the Republican Party mm-hmm. in support of uh, policies that support the Russian Federation. And I do think that it's quite possible, and maybe we will learn more about this in the coming months, that um, higher-up Republicans, such as Mitch McConnell, uh, have benefited hmm. uh, and are complicit in these activities as well. Yeah. I just... Um, find it so odd that more Republicans are not expressing outrage over this over this president. Right, uh, right. Nancy, I really appreciate uh, the call and the comments. Uh, Maria Butina is the is the person who was charged uh, yesterday. There's also a, a photograph of her with Solonuzis, who uh, was the chair of the Michigan Republican Party for a long time, somebody who we occasionally have on the show here to talk about uh, Republican politics. I mean, I think there are questions that are emerging about how deeply uh, the Russians have, I guess, infiltrated uh, the Republican Party. And, and that may, I guess, explain some of the reluctance that we see on the Hill to try to stand up to Donald Trump. Right. This is part of a larger uh, campaign to infiltrate the the NRA and to um, guide policies on uh, gun control. There were also um, speculation that there's uh, Russian uh, interference to uh, shape the Republican platform on Ukraine. Uh, and then there, I mean, we also have evidence of, of uh, bots, of Russian bots mm-hmm. uh, on social media as, as uh came out in the previous segment. Um, so this, uh, Butina is the 26th Russian national indicted uh, or charged with, uh, with interference in American politics, and that clearly shows uh, a pattern. Mm-hmm. Uh, and as also came out in the previous segment, this is a, a pattern that's not limited to the United States, right? This is part of a larger, um, a larger uh, uh, pattern uh, in Europe, as well as Russian mercenaries, kind of uh, uh, unsettling uh, politics in Montenegro and uh, Macedonia. So this is this is international politics beyond the rules. Yeah. Um, how far that goes into uh, other politicians is a is a really good question, and I'm, I think it's important, uh, if I may, to say that you know Trump talked about. That there's no collusion. Yes, yeah. I don't know if you've he's remember, he said that several times, <laughs> he's right? Said that a couple um, times, yeah. and you know that's really saying the bar much higher than it needs to be. There's collusion, and then there is interference, mm-hmm. and it's like if somebody robbed a bank, and he said, "But I didn't kill anyone. Look, I didn't kill anyone." There's, I mean, we we cannot let <laughs> right. let them set the parameters. That they're actually, we need to understand that interference and disruption of of domestic politics and institutions is itself important right. just uh, to follow international law. Yeah. Uh, again, 313-577-1019 is the number. Let's go to Courtney in Harrison Township. Courtney.
Bartney. Welcome to Detroit Today. Good morning. Thank you for having me. Sure. Um, my comment is just, I guess, what I think a lot of us are feeling. Um, that is, one, anger, and two, just complete disillusionment um, in regards to uh, President Trump's performance uh, with Putin and during the summit. Um, you know, I, I told your screener, you know, there's no love loss here. I, I don't really have a lot of positive things to say about President Trump, but what he did yesterday and how he almost um, cowered, if you will, mm-hmm. um, when he was in Putin's presence really kind of puts that big T word on him for me, traitor. Mm. And um, I'm not sure where we go from here, but I think that as a country, we need to start really recognizing that party lines really don't matter here. What matters is that we're Americans, and what comes first is the fact that our president is supposed to protect us from both foreign and domestic threats. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, He feigns extreme nationalism, yet meets with Putin and, you know, kind of backs off any chance he had to kind of, I guess, put him in his place, if you will, you know. Uh, Courtney, I think uh, those are great. Those are great insights. I'm glad you called uh, to share those. There is something interesting about the contrast, uh, Aaron, between Trump, the nationalist, Trump, the make America great again guy, and this this position he takes over and over again with respect to, to Vladimir Putin and, and Russia. And again, it, it raises those questions about why is that so different? What is the explanation for his completely uh, altered persona when, when we're talking about this subject? Uh, I mean, I, I, I can't say that I, I understand kind of the the total psychology mm-hmm. of it all, but I mean, there are the ideas of, of, that um, Trump has uh, had good relations with autocrats, with male autocrats. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, this could go back to the the business world of kind of building personal relationships, uh, and it's just one on one. The other thing that also, you know, kind of builds up between um, Trump and and Putin is, um, you know, the idea of populism. Uh, and going beyond parties, this is something that Putin did, especially in the last election, that he goes beyond his own party and has been trying to uh, reach out as a man of the people and um, and also mobilizing nationalism. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, there actually is, uh, and actually the words that Trump used, the uh, powerful, strong, uh, are all, to talk about Putin, are all kind of characteristics that he feels that he embodies and uh, things that he he values. Um, yeah, if I can actually uh, go back to the last caller and mm-hmm. kind of flip it around a little bit and mm-hmm. say that um, there were actually, so there were a lot of bizarre statements yesterday, yes. uh, and that is kind of the, the takeaway uh, from the summit. Um, there's... There's also something that might have actually that might the good that might have actually come out of this. I mean, mm-hmm. if, if one is in favor of detente from the 1970s and thought that that was actually a good thing, um, you know, the the building up of relations uh, 
beyond Putin and Trump down to the next level of uh, experts is actually really important to actually have discussions about nuclear arms control. You know, uh, New START is going to come to its end uh, in uh, 2021, and that needs to be uh, either expanded or continued. Um, there are places of dialogue that needs to happen, either in counterterrorism with Syria mm-hmm. or even, you know, working on visa relations. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, they're actually... Um, if you want to actually take something out of yesterday's uh, meetings, I mean, there are these opportunities of building closer ties uh, that Russia and the United States actually, I, I feel, would actually be beneficial to both yeah. of them. Yeah. Okay, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to continue our conversation about Trump, Putin, and Russia. Stay with us and stay with us on the phones. Angela in Detroit, Christine in Canton, Annette in West Bloomfield, Tom in Northwest Detroit. We will get to you next. We'll be right back with more Detroit Today. You're listening to Detroit Today on 101.9 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, thanks for tuning in. Reminder that you can join us tonight at the Ann Arbor District Library downtown branch for our first in-community book club meeting. The Detroit Today Summer Book Club is us reading Evicted as a community together, a book by Matthew Desmond about how evictions in Milwaukee Wisconsin Drive Poverty there. We're using that book as a predicate for a larger discussion about housing insecurity here in Southeast Michigan. So we're going to meet from 6.30 to 8 p.m. tonight in Ann Arbor. You can come out and discuss the first few chapters of the book with us and hear from guests about the issues surrounding subsidized housing in Ann Arbor. Again, we're meeting at the downtown location of Ann Arbor's District Library. That address is 353 South 5th Avenue in downtown Ann Arbor. Uh, we are talking this hour about this, yesterday's extraordinary press conference between President Donald Trump and Russian President uh, Vladimir Putin, at which Trump talked about his disbelief in U.S. intelligence reports that Putin and Russia interfered in the 2016 elections. He also claimed to have solved many of the problems that the United States has with Russia during a closed-door meeting he had with Putin. If you want to join the conversation, tell us what you thought about what the president said during that press conference. What, tell us what you think it means and what you think Congress maybe ought to do about what he said. As always, the number on the phones is 313-577-1019. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page and put comments there or go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today and we'll work you into the conversation. We've also got Aaron Reddish, a history professor at Wayne State University with a specialization in Soviet and Russian history here with us to talk about uh, all of this. Uh, And again, 313-577-1019. Let's go to Christine in Canton. Christine, welcome to Detroit Today. Hi, thanks for taking my call, Stephen. Go ahead. I wanted to comment that uh, we had to take this opportunity to give kudos to Republicans who did speak out, mm-hmm. because in Congress, Paul Ryan, uh, McCain, lots of um, lots of prominent Republicans spoke out against and directly contradicted things that Trump said, and even Paul Ryan sort of spoke strongly and reiterated that 
Congress is an equal um, branch of government. And I think that was implying that they're not going to be pushed around by Trump. And if we miss these opportunities to encourage that type of dialogue, encourage the speaking up by Republicans, we further divide us as a country. And that's exactly what Trump is doing. He's dividing us as a country. Hmm. And we can't be part of that. We have to, I mean, people are unfriending each other on Facebook, not talking to their Hmm. relatives and stuff. (laughs) And by doing that, you take yourself out of the circle of influence of people who don't, who don't agree with you. Yeah. You take uh, the Trump supporters, if you're in their circle of influence, stay in there and be, be respectful. And right now we're just talking to each other and we all agree. So what is the point? We're not making any change that way. If you stay in the circle of influence of people who don't agree with you, you're going to have a lot more change. And if you're respectful of them, they're going to even listen to you. So I think that's our opportunity here. Yeah, no, I really appreciate uh, the call and, and the comments. Uh, It is, it is a very strange time (laughs) we are living through. And, and I think you're right that we need to be thinking about ways that we sew ourselves back together as a culture and uh, a nation, not only because of the things that Vladimir Putin is trying to do to this country, but as you point out, some of the things that the president himself has said and done. Thanks very much for the call uh, and the comments. Let's go to Tom in Northwest Detroit. Tom, welcome to Detroit. Yeah, good morning. You know what? Trump threw this country under the bus. I mean, he undermined the intelligence committee everybody's telling him, like, hey, man, Russia meddled into, the, into, into this election. And, I mean, for him to sit there and, say, and do what he did and say it, what he said, I mean, it's just, it's, it's, it's abominable. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, as far as I'm concerned, the man committed treason, okay? And I'm sick and tired of lip service. Mm-hmm. I mean, let's go ahead and do something, because, I mean, this man is a threat to this country. And I'll say this, and I'm going to go. Let's make America great again. Let's get rid of Trump. (laughs) Tom, as always, I appreciate the call uh, and the comments, uh, and I appreciate the humor there uh, at the end. Let's go to Angela in Detroit. Angela, welcome to Detroit today. Uh, Good morning. Hi. I called, and my comment is basically psychological. Uh Uh-huh. From the beginning, when he was campaigning, it was clear that Mr. Trump was a narcissist. And he hasn't dropped that because it's something he doesn't even know he has. In any case, he's the top dog in the U.S. And at the summit, or whatever the recent meeting in Europe was, he was the top dog. He talked out. He yelled at everybody. Uh Then he went to Russia. Now, Mr. Putin is the top dog in a way bigger fear than Mr. Trump, and I think he's behaving like the second dog. Mm. <laughs> he, he's very different, differential because he envies that position and would love to have it, and I mm. think America needs to be very careful that we don't give the man more power than he should have, yeah. because that way is disaster. Yeah. yeah, Angela, I really appreciate uh, the call and the comments. Uh, Aaron, I, I want to spend the, the lo- couple minutes we have left talking about uh, the, the broader context here of U.S.-Russia relations. Does this set us back in significant ways? 
in that regard. Was the president right about how bad uh, those relationships uh, have been in recent years? So this is uh, something that a lot of the um, people in the media have said is that this is the lowest point in U.S.-Russian relations in in history. I, you know, that's obviously the Cuban Missile Crisis, pretty bad. Yeah. Um, <laughs> right. The relationship after the Russian Revolution actually was in 1917 was yeah. also pretty bad. Um, uh, there's uh, a lot of space to grow, though, um, <laughs> and uh, so we we had these, you know, periods of of close cooperation in the 1990s. Um, and actually in the 1970s. Um, so uh, I don't know if this is, uh, has really um, uh, has really kind of moved us forward too much. Mm-hmm. Um, it's really, the interesting thing is that there wasn't um, uh, a meeting, a, a future meeting set right away. So this might just be a, a one-off. Um you know, time will time will tell on this. Mm-hmm. Uh, usually, what you need to have is this continuing dialogue, like we had in the 1970s, to actually move um, move relations forward. Not just between um, Russia and the United States, but actually, in that case, the Soviet Union and the rest of the world. Um, we'll see. Yeah. We'll see. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Aaron Reddish, history professor at Wayne State University with a specialization in Soviet and Russian history. It is always great to have you here with us on Detroit Today. It's a real pleasure. All right. Uh, Remember, tonight, 630 at the Ann Arbor District Library, downtown branch, we are going to have our first in-community book club meeting for the Detroit Today Summer Book Club. We're going to meet from 6.30 to 8 p.m. You can come out and discuss the first few chapters of the book Evicted by Matthew Desmond with us. And you can hear from guests about the issues that are surrounding subsidized housing and the really spirited debate that is going on in Ann Arbor about that issue right now. We are talking about housing insecurity issues all over southeast Michigan uh, this summer as part of this book club talking about things like affordable housing, foreclosure, tax foreclosure, squatting. Think of all of the things that come up in our community that uh, surround the idea that not everybody has a stable place to call home. So if you want to join us tonight at 6.30 at uh, the Ann Arbor District Library, we will get this kicked off. You can also go to WDET.org and find out about the other events that we will be holding this summer. That's going to do it for me today. I will be back tomorrow. Hope you will, too. This is 1019 WDET, Detroit's public radio station, a community service of Wayne State University. We'll see you tonight in Ann Arbor, or I will see you tomorrow.